Hey, everybody. Welcome to Hebsey on Sports, episode number Thomas Holmstrom, Cortez Kennedy, Clyde Simmons, and Miko Rantanen. You know who he is? He's a really good hockey player. Plays for Colorado. I'm Mark Hebsher. Hope you had a lovely weekend. Easter, Passover, spending time with the family in front of the television set. Yeah. Today on the show, what do you think we should talk about? Okay, that's what we're going to talk about. (laughs) From the greatest day in Toronto sporting history, six for six, including two playoff wins, we go to the most bittersweet, bizarre, empty, weird Easter Sunday, bunny rabbits and fallen leaves, dinos, Jurassic Park, a chance to clinch, and then a chance for the city and Leaf fans to literally dance in the streets, and no. A chance for Drake to breathe a huge sigh of relief, but no. Sweet for the Raps, though. We'll get into the best team in the NBA right now and getting better every game. Hey, this is a big week for the Jays. First, they got to go out and sign a pitcher. Any pitcher, preferably Dallas Keuchel, because there are no Major League-ready arms available on this team. And on Hockey Confidential, brought to you by Tide and Blades, fighting was far more infrequent this season in the National Hockey League and across the minor leagues. We'll talk about that as well. First, though, time for your trivia question brought to you by Panzer's Original Deli on Bathurst Street, just north of the 401. So the Maple Leafs last beat Boston in the playoffs in 1959, Game 7 in Boston. The Leafs had nine future Hall of Famers on that team. Can you name eight of them? Oh. I'm serious. Boston had one, one Hall of Famer on that team. They finished second that year. The Leafs finished fourth that year and had nine future Hall of Famers. Name eight. Name seven. The answer and a backstory later in the show. You like that one? <laughs> That's a tough one for me. I know a few. I mean, come on. Hall of Famers, man. Nine. They had nine Hall of Famers on that team. Nine. They lost. They ended up losing to the Montreal Canadiens in the final. But they barely squeezed in. That was Punch Imlac's first full year. Took over as the coach. And that's when the Leaf kind of dynasty began. Even though they got beaten in the cup final, they ended up winning four Stanley Cups in the next uh, eight years. So there you go. So, um, yeah. How was your weekend, Mike? Busy. Lots going on. Me too. And uh, Friday, how did that work out Friday? Did you get to watch the Leafs and the Raptors and have dinner and all that kind of thing? You mean uh, on the day the day? No, no, Friday. Oh, oh, fri- okay. Friday. Don't your mic, Mike. <laughs> See, this is the problem with sports: is that you forget the fu- they, f- folks. Toronto had six professional teams playing on Friday. It might have been the first time that ever happened, and all six won. And and people were like, "Can anyone find out when all six teams played on the same day?" I'm not that interested. It doesn't ma- matter to me if it happened before. Right. The fact of the matter is that if we include the Toronto Wolfpack and the Toronto Marlies, along with TFC, the Raptors, the Jays, and the Leafs, that's six. And that was like, oh, is there any other pro teams in Toronto? Because if there is, let's find a seventh <laughs> professional team. You know, but, but there wasn't. But so anyway, that night, Good Friday, was, the, uh, was also the first night of Passover. Uh, and so there was a lot of people that were like, there was a dilemma because you had this family meal that you had to be at, but at 7 o'clock, you got two games going on. So what do you do? So at ours, at the Passover Seder we were at, uh, there was uh, an allowance uh, by the head of the family, who happens to be a sports fan, thank goodness, <laughs> to uh, you can you can leave the table at any time uh, to check on the game, but not for too long, and kind of don't disrupt the service kind of a thing. So that was great. It was sort of like license to go, all right, how are the Leafs doing? And then you bring your device to the table, which you know you could never really do. But the Leafs and the Raptors are both playing, so somebody at the table had to have you know, their device so we could, you know, get updates or, or put it at the end of the table and prop it up so you can say, is that Cadry? No, Cadry, no, he's not playing. Cadry suspended. 
Is that, is that Drake at the game? No, no, Drake's, Drake's probably at a Seder. He's probably at a Passover Seder somewhere. Right. We don't have to worry about the Drake curse. That's right. Uh, um, so anyway, yeah, my weekend was kind of like that too. And uh, yesterday was just totally bizarre, a total disappointment, which I'll talk about in a second. But first, I got to tell you, because this is, since uh, I like to tell the truth on the show, so this week's going to be really weird for me. So tomorrow, Tuesday, is Leafs-Bruins Game 7, Raptors-Magic Game 5, Raptors can eliminate the Magic. And... Uh, I'm supposed to be flying to Philadelphia tomorrow. I mean, so, you know, when I made my plans, I didn't go, geez, I hope there's no, I hope there's no game sevens or rap. Well, they're both playing. So what do you do in a situation like this? You can't, you're not going to be able to see, I'm not going to be able to see either game. And even if I land, when I land in Philly, where am I going to go to find a Raptor game when the Sixers are playing right, Brooklyn? Right. They got a chance to eliminate them. I got no chance. And the other, the Phillies game's probably on somewhere. Where, where the heck am I going to go? So I thought I, I, I'm going to have, I have to change my travel plans. I'm going to Philadelphia for four days. I'm trying you know, to sell the book. My book, uh, The Greatest Athlete You've Never Heard Of, is about a guy, George Orton, who uh, spent most of his life in Philadelphia and was extremely successful there and all that. And that's a great place to sell books. Sure. Especially when it's about a Philadelphia guy, because they go, oh, he's a Philly guy. Yeah. Oh, he invented hockey in Philly. So they love that there. And, you know, and I, and I apologize to my Philly friends for that terrible accent. That's sort of a Philly, New Jersey <laughs> accent because New Jersey's right over the Walt Whitman Bridge on the other side. And that's a lot of people from Philly, that area, actually live in, you know, suburban New Jersey there. And so there's a lot of people that uh, you can sell the books to. I've got a couple of speeches. I've got the Penn Relays this weekend, which is a huge, huge event, track and field. And, but I got to follow my Toronto teams. I got a podcast to do. I won't be able to do the podcast later this week. We're going to have to... Uh, cancel the Friday podcast because I'll be in Philadelphia. So uh, I had to change my plans. So, 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 so I'm flying out you? Wednesday morning instead, early oh, Wednesday wow. morning. So Tuesday night, I've got to be, I'm pa- got to be packed, ready to go. And then the emotion of two potential clinching games and then having to go to sleep and then get up early in the morning to fly to Philadelphia. It might be a tough one. But, but I'm prepared to do it. So I thought I'd just let you know in advance that there won't be, like whatever happens later in the week, I, I won't be around on the Friday to tell you. I'll, we'll have to wait for the following Monday. Maybe I'll go rogue and I'll just record an episode without you. What would the show be called? <laughs> Hebsy on Sports. Oh, I got to okay. keep the brand. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, go. <laughs> Say what you think I might say. Um, what a disappointment. Now, now that I thought of it and slept on it, what a disappointment. If I didn't know any better, I would have thought that it was the Boston Bruins who were looking to eliminate the Leafs rather than vice versa. Did it not appear to you that Boston was the team going, man, if we win this, we clinch, we move on. And the Leafs were sort of, that's, that's kind of the way I felt. Because the Bruins not only survived, they flourished. They, that was their game seven, and, and then tomorrow's their game seven too. Um, they won 4-2 thanks to their vaunted power play, which has scored seven times in the series. So the Leafs' penalty kill has just been, uh, Whenever home ice, whatever home ice advantage there was, and I think we know from the beginning of the playoffs that there's no such thing in any series. There's no home ice advantage. Tampa didn't have it, all right? Winnipeg didn't have it. Definitely not. Calgary didn't have it. So, so much for home ice advantage. Uh, And that means Game 7 is, like any other Game 7, a total crapshoot. You just don't know. uh, Jinx, whatever. Leafs can't get the job done. Forget it. Forget it. It's one game. All right? They said the same thing back in 1993 when the Leafs played Detroit. I think the Leafs were the 8th seed and Detroit was a 1, if that's the way it was in those days. Whatever. Detroit, you know, had like 35 more points on them in the regular season. The Leafs won twice in overtime on the road to win the series. Okay, think about this. Right? Think about this. You go in and you, Mike Foligno scores the game winning goal in overtime, and the Leafs now have a 3 2 series lead on Detroit 
going back to Toronto for game six. All right? And if I tell you right now, would had there have been social media at the time in Maple Leaf Square, it would have been worse. It, giddy. Doug Gilmore, Dave Andrichuk, Felix Potvin, Pat Burns, da, 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 Detroit, you know, it was just a, 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 a steamroller all season long. And now you've gone in and you've beaten them in overtime, and now you've got a chance to clinch against Detroit? Maple Leaf Gardens was wild. The talk shows were, well, I don't think there was any talk. There might have been one, a couple of talk shows. But it was crazy. And then they laid an egg. They lost 7-3 at home. And if I tell you folks, not one person, not one person, thought that they could go back to Detroit and win again. And they did. Nikolai Borshevsky, overtime game seven. So there's always hope. No matter how bad one team is and no matter how good the other team is, no matter how shitty one team played, like Toronto. And, and they really didn't play that bad. There was a gap there where they were horrible. But really, think about it. You know, not if we're not for those two power plays by Boston. Maybe the Leafs are the better team. Maybe they get a few more chances. Maybe they win. Okay, maybe. So if that was their crummiest game of the series, good, get it out of the way now. What's get your prediction for oh, game seven? They're going to win. They're going to win game seven. They are. Because Freddie Anderson's going to play even better than he played the other night. You're like Joe Namath over here. I even, love it. No, I don't think so. I don't think so. Because I don't think the Leafs are huge underdogs. Because they've already beaten Boston there twice. They've beaten. That's why I say the Leafs in 1993 had beaten Detroit there. They, it's not like, oh, we can't win in Boston. And don't think for a second that Boston fans are going, oh, we got this one locked up. We kill the Leafs when we're at home. Oh, well, we, that's right. We didn't beat them last time, did we? So there's all of that, too. There's all that. There's two teams playing in this one. Don't forget. And just because the Bruins played their best game of the series in game six and avoided elimination, and they're used to playing afternoon games, and the Leafs aren't, uh, and they were desperate, and the Leafs weren't, and uh, they were loose and easy, and the Leafs were tight and nervous. And Babcock blew the game when he pulled Anderson with over two minutes to go, even the Leafs hadn't gotten the puck deep into the O-zone. Or maybe we should give Boston more credit for digging deep, for creating urgency, for using their calm and experience and getting the job done when there was literally no tomorrow. Because there was a tomorrow for the Leafs. Right. There was a tomorrow for Mitch Marner, for John Tavares, who scored 47 regular season goals and has won in these playoffs, and it's an empty netter. I mean, if it's not for Austin Matthews, who knows? So it's time for the big boys to step it up. What did Marner have, 94 points in regular season? What's the problem with Marner now? I'll tell you what the problem is, is the Boston defenders are smart enough to leave Zach Hyman alone when he has the puck and make sure that Marner and, to a lesser extent, um, Tavares are smothered, smothered in the offensive zone. Do you see what I mean? Because they know that Zach Hyman with the puck, they're not worried that he's going to deke in, go top shelf where they keep the peanut butter. That's Marner. That's Tavares. And Tavares looks slow mm. out there, doesn't he? Compared to those other young kids. Or he yeah. did yesterday. But again, <laughs> this might be the tightness. This is all this stuff, okay? So let's use Tavares and Jake Muzzin as two guys who had kind of been there before. Muzzin's won a Stanley Cup. They weren't with the team last spring when they lost Game 7 in Boston. They weren't there when the Leafs lost in Game 7 in Boston. They weren't. So their presence tomorrow, especially in the locker room, can make a difference. And the Leafs are going to bounce back because they've done it all series long. What do you think? I felt the Leafs were winning this series from uh, day one, and I still feel that way. I think we can take game seven. Yep. No reason to think we can't because they've done it before, twice in the series in Boston. It's a game seven. I get it. It's a game seven. Whether they were down 3-1 and they came back to 3-3 like last year. Because remember last year, folks, when they were down 3-1, don't tell me you were going, oh, yeah, they're going to come back. They're going to force a game seven. You didn't say it. 
And if you say so, you're a liar. <laughs> it didn't happen that way. I know. Nobody, okay? Unless it's the one that says, oh, I leave, love the Leafs no matter what. They could be skating on one leg. You go, they're still going to win. I mean, that's different, okay? That's just, you know, false hope. So, game seven, tomorrow night. We got to stay out of the penalty box, though. Well, I think here's the big problem. Uh, Zach Hyman is no match for Patrice Bergeron. It's as simple as that. On the penalty kill, face off. It doesn't matter if it's in, usually it's in your own zone, okay? Hyman's not a natural center. He's not. He could work on faceoffs from now until, you know, the, 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 the day we have the next lunar eclipse. It won't matter. Bergeron is winning faceoffs at like a 70-some-odd percent clip. It's ridiculous. So on every draw, even the one where Marchand scored that weird goal, it's Bergeron against Hyman. I think Hyman's won five out of 21 draws on the PK. You can't have that. Now, that's not just his fault. I mean, the Leafs just, the Leafs can't handle the, uh, I, I just, they can't handle him down low. Krug's goal was from down low on a rebound. You know, Marchand is always right around the goal line there. Pasternak, when he gets the puck on the goal line, I get scared. I don't get that same scared feeling when the Leafs have the power play. I just don't. All right, more hockey in a minute. First, though, let's celebrate the glory of the Toronto Raptors. They just keep getting better and better as the series goes on. I think that first game lost to Orlando might be the greatest thing to happen to this team. A wake-up call that they needed. Uh-oh. Oh, we lost the first game to Orlando. Orlando, they're good. Folks, they're not that good. They're not that good, Orlando. They're not. No. That's why they were the number seven seed this year, and the Raptors were number two. Raptors are a way better team, especially when Kawhi Leonard's healthy. He had flu-like symptoms in game three, and they still won, and seemed fully recovered yesterday, scoring 34 points on 12 of 20 shooting, six rebounds, two blocks, as the Raptors won by 22 points. 22! I got a little nervous when it got down to 10 at one point, right? You know, 10. Oh, my God, it's a four-possession game. I got nervous there and for a second, and then I said, no, 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 basketball's a game of runs. Yeah. There's no way Orlando's going to go on a 20 nothing run. It's not going to happen. And it didn't. And the Raptors are the way better team. And their defense was stifling. Do you know they held the Magic to 16 points in the second quarter and 15 in the fourth? Are you kidding me? That's lockdown defense. That's rim protection. That's you're all over the other team. They can't get their shots. If it wasn't for Aaron Gordon, who is brilliant, I mean, we would have won by 40 points. 40 points! You hear me? That Raptor game was like a palate cleanser. Like after that Leaf game, you're so frustrated. There's a bitter taste in your mouth. And it's like, let's just enjoy this this team dominate the magic. It was wonderful. Wasn't it great? And it was completely, utterly stress-free, wasn't it? The especially 9-1 after, start, especially at, Oh, you have to start, though. But the start, you know, means nothing. You could have missed the whole first quarter. It wouldn't matter. But after what happened to the Leafs, and how much time did we have? An hour in between to go, oh, yeah, yeah. game seven. And then, okay, wait, wait, the Raptors are coming on. You can't be sad for too long. Let's see the Raptors. And I think in the interim, the Jays won their game. I think the Jays game ended just after tip-off for the Raptor game, if I recall, because I watched it all. It was, uh, it was okay, well, yeah, we still got a game seven. We haven't been eliminated, at least now the Raptors. So it was, it was nice. It was nice to not have the stress that you had in the Leaf game, to, 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 to know that they're a better team than Orlando, and they'll find a way to win, even if they're not at their best. Do you realize, Mike, the starting backcourt of Kyle Lowry and Danny Green shot just six for 16, Combined for only 17 points, and the Raptors still won by 22. Kyle had nine points in 39 minutes, added nine assists and four steals. Green got into foul trouble, but uh, Van Vliet and Norm Powell performed yeoman's work. Powell scored 16 points in 21 minutes. Boy, when he takes it to the rim, yeah. I like that guy. I like it. I've been saying all along. They got, and their bench is strong. Look, uh, it, whether it's Gasol or it's Serge Ibaka in there, 
Uh, they're, they're a better team, way better team. And if they keep this up, they'll eliminate Orlando Tuesday night at the Scotiabank Arena, and they'll get Philadelphia in the second round. The Sixers up 3-1 on Brooklyn, and they can close them out tomorrow in Philly. <laughs> see, that was the thing. That's I right. was going to go to Philly to see a playoff <laughs> game. Raptors and the Leafs are both playing. So they got to back it up. It's okay. The other series is going to have the Celtics, who swept Indiana against the Milwaukee Bucks, who are going to probably sweep Detroit. So um, there's your one versus. I mean, there's your, there's your number one seed against your number four seed, right? And the Raptors are two and Philly's three. So that's the way it should have ended up and will end up in the East. A couple of quick Raptor points. One is, uh, you'll agree, of course, that the more we... We see Kawhi Leonard, the more remarkable it is, like just just how wonderful a player he is. Like I would just like a uh, we're so lucky to have even one season I know. with Kawhi in the city. Yes. And, the, and again, we have not seen him at his best because of load management. We've seen flashes, of course, but it looks to me like if he wants to and he's averaging like 30 points a game in the playoffs. It looks like if he wants to, if he wants to, he could take it any time. It's when they put two, three guys on him that you got to you know find the open man. But, geez, how do you defense a team when you've got a guy like Leonard? Right. Because if you double him, you just leave a Danny Green open or a Kyle open or there's a Bach over there. There's Gasol, who's a sublime passer, wonderful player. And then you've got these other, you know, I mean, Siakam is, and he made a couple of dumb turnovers, but he did it. He did it when they were up by like 20. Right. And that's, right. it's got to be hard to be intense when you're up by 20. The other one is, well, why does Nick Nurse empty the bench? Well, it's the playoffs. I mean, empty the bench. You're up 20 with two minutes to go or whatever it is. Come on. Empty the bench. Get Jeremy Lin out there. Get the- Did you see that reaction he had? That's going to become like a gift oh, that you're yeah. going to see for the, oh, all time now. Oh, <laughs> on some call. Yeah, that close up. We're going to be seeing that a lot. I, I think. know we are. That's the other thing with social media is, is all you have to do is man, one goofy gif or something like that. It's like, okay, oh, oh yeah, Nick Nurse. That's the guy. Oh, that, that silly look there. That dumb look. All right, more hockey now. San Jose Sharks have risen from the dead against the Vegas Golden Knights. I like this story because it looked like, oh, here we gonna, we're going to beat up on San Jose again. And I've been reading, I was reading some of the San Francisco area, the Bay Area papers, not the papers, but, you know, online. Sure. And just, whoa, they were just, you know, clobbering them. You're down 3-1. Like, here it is again with San Jose. They can't do it. Joe Thornton, Brett Burns can't do it anymore. You know, blah, blah, blah. Pavelski. And now you got um, uh, Eric Carlson. And he and Martin Jones has been terrible. Beaten. P.S. P.S. Tomas Hurdle, after they won game five in San Jose, guaranteed that they would be back for a game seven. Guaranteed. Joe Namath, Muhammad Ali. Mark Messier. Mark Messier. Babe Ruth. (laughs) Called shot. Guaranteed it. And guess what? It was Hurdle, shorthanded, in the second overtime, that beat the Las Vegas Golden Knights 2-1 to and forced the seventh and deciding game back in San Jose. How about that? The guy, like Messier, makes the prediction comes through big time. My son's rooting for San Jose, so I've, I've decided I'll go with my boy. Why and, not? Uh, that was exciting. Vegas and- had their fun last year. They got to the final last year. But come on, San Jose, I mean, that's a storied franchise, you know? They've been to one Stanley Cup final, one, a couple of years ago, didn't they? Lost to uh, yeah, uh, Pittsburgh, a couple years ago. To Pittsburgh, yeah. right? Yeah. But I mean, gee... I mean, I always liked the franchise. I like the teal. I like the shark. I like SJ Sharky. I like the area. Johan Garpenlov. <laughs> Johan Garpenlov hit the crossbar. Oh, yeah. All that good stuff. Um, so, yeah, so that's a game seven. So that's going to be very, very exciting. Uh, of course, the Calgary Flames, Winnipeg Jets, Pittsburgh Penguins, and Tampa Lightning are all out. And the Washington Capitals and Dallas Stars are one win away from advancing. 
Mike, these playoffs, I would say the Stanley Cup is completely, completely up for grabs. I was so impressed with the St. Louis Blues. So impressed with that team. And I think I mentioned to you earlier this year when Mike Yo got fired and Craig Berube, the assistant, took over. I said, I like Berube. He's a no-nonsense guy. Usually when a coaching change is made early in the year, the team goes, phew, good. That guy's gone. And they're open to anything. They're open to anything. The Blues were in last place in January. Last place Which in the is, NHL. That's never happened before. Never, ever happened before. And every game, from the, every game since January has, I don't want to say a must-win game, but there's been urgency. There's been urgency. You cannot, you cannot afford to slump at all. You have to be playing at a high level. And they continued that momentum into the playoffs because Winnipeg's a good team. They locked them down. And you know why they locked them down, Mike? They have more Canadian players on that team than any other team in the NHL. It's nothing against... Thanks, because, Don. No, 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 no. I knew that a long time ago. It's nothing against Vladimir Tarasenko, who's a wonderful player, a Russian. It's nothing against... I'm trying to think of the American guy. There's an American guy there. And there's a... A Swedish player as well, I believe. And that's about it. The rest of the guys are Canadian. Tomas Steen, all right, his son, Alexander, born in Winnipeg, Canadian. Tons of Canadian guys. Jaden Schwartz, four straight goals. The Unbelievable win, The game. winning goal with 15 seconds to go uh, that uh, forced the whatever game that was. And then, and then the hat trick, the natural, true hat trick in the clincher. A hat trick in the clincher at home, knocking off Winnipeg. Fantastic. Absolutely fantastic. And, and Bozak's look good. Oh, is he ever. Happy for him. Good looking team. I like that team. And Ryan, Dallas Ryan, looks good. Ryan O'Reilly's a right. hell of a player. But in Dallas, that line that Ben, uh, the uh, yeah, uh, it's uh, Jamie Ben, it's Tyler Sagan, right, and, and it's Radulov, right, right. And that line, they're so big. They're like the Legion of Doom. They are. They're fantastic. And this is where you know it's the playoffs. This is where the big boys shine. This is yeah. where it should be. So I'm going to say that there are no favorites. I don't know what the odds are now. I don't know what the if the Leafs win, what their odds would be. That's the other thing. After they won game five in Boston, people started saying, oh, let's make our arrangements for Columbus. And you'd never do that. No. You just don't even let that thought get into your head. You never look ahead because the hardest game to win is the clincher. That's the toughest one. So you never go, oh, they beat them in Boston. Let's make our, what's their record against Columbus? As soon as I read that and I, on Twitter, I was like, stop it. Just stop it. Well, that was an Let idiot who tweeted that. Let it happen. Let it happen organically. Wait for the game to be played. Don't be getting too far ahead of yourselves there. Um, so anyway, Alexander Barkov. Oh, sorry. Um, uh, Mark Giordano, Brett Burns, and Victor Hedman are the finalists for the James Norris Trophy as the NHL's best defenseman. Not Morgan Riley. Not Morgan Riley. Who was the best guy on the ice yesterday in that Leafs game. Yeah, not him. So... All right, they only announced three finalists. I mean, these guys are pretty good. I mean, I can't agree, I disagree with them. Burns is fantastic. Giordano will probably win it. And Hedman's an uh, excellent player. So, I mean, you know, Morgan Riley is kind of going to end up like being the Brad Park of defensemen, like where he's either going up against Bobby Orr or Denny Potvin or Larry Robinson or Serge Savard. It's like, I'm good, but geez, these guys are really, really good. Um, so he's not going to win um, the Norris. He wasn't even nominated. And, and, I had said, if you recall earlier this year, Mike, I think he had like two minutes in penalties or four minutes the whole year. And I said, that's ridiculous for a defenseman. Well, this year, Morgan Riley had 14 minutes in penalties and 72 points as a defenseman. He scored 20 goals this year. So 72 points, 14 minutes in penalties. If you had some type of a system where you took away the number of penalty minutes versus the number of points and you included the fact that he was a defenseman, I thought he should have been a finalist for 
the Lady Bing, but he was not. Alexander Barkov, Sean Monaghan, and Ryan O'Reilly are the Lady Bing finalists this year. So even though he wasn't a finalist for either one, he's kind of like Kevin Pillar was when he was in his defensive prime. He was a fabulous player, but Kevin Kiermeyer was a little bit better and won the gold glove those years. This is the way I look at Morgan Riley right now. He's a really good player, really good. It's just he's up against a crop of really good defensemen. And he, he, there's no reason for him not to hold his head high. And I'm sure at this particular point, he couldn't care less whether he was nominated or not. He wants to win game seven. So good on Riley. And let's point out the fact that he was the best player on the ice and has been the best player in the series, really. Well, the Blue Jays, while all this is going on, quietly, just quietly, win six out of seven games on the road. Shh, 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 it's the Blue Jays. We're in Oakland. We're in Minnesota. Don't say anything about us. Because we're just, we're doing our thing. We got Charlie Montoya. We got guys that don't even know each other. Socrates Brito, meet Alan Hansen. Hello, mister. Hi, Richard mm-hmm. Urania. You're back. You're fourth. You're over. Where are you? Who's our pitching staff? What, who, who do we got? Nobody. We got nobody left. The Jays starting pitching staff has been so depleted, they have to find some arms and fast. Matt Shoemaker, gone for the season after tearing his ACL during a stupid rundown play on Saturday. This is the way it happens, folks. This is the weird part of baseball, the freak injuries. A rundown play. I mean, you do these in, in spring training. These are easy. They're natural. But when I see a pitcher doing something that doesn't normally happen, I know you worked on it back in February. I got that. You haven't done it since. Okay, maybe, maybe three or four times during the course of the season, you had to cover first base on a ground ball hit to the right side that the first baseman made the play on. Maybe a couple times there was a comebacker to the mound, you had to field it, you had to throw. But other than that, and throwing the ball over the plate for strikes, which he was very good at, being involved in a rundown is just, it's odd, it's weird. I would rather the catcher with his equipment on, all right, be involved in that. He's used to the odd collision. He's used to that type of a thing, a rundown between third and home. Let him be involved in the rundown between first and second. But what happened on that play was, and what normally happens is the pitcher, since he's going over there to cover, is next in line in the rundown. And the objective of a rundown is to run the player, keep the ball as long as you possibly can, and force the runner to the other base. And once you've forced him by running right at him, then you throw it to the next guy, and he's going to tag him out. But no, they did it sloppily. Tellez threw the ball to, I believe it was Galvis, too soon, and it allowed the base runner to, to scamper back towards first where they had to throw it, and now Shoemaker's got the ball. And as he's got the ball, and he's trying to chase down a faster guy, but a guy who doesn't have the same momentum, I'm thinking, oh my God, please, no. Let me know. Please, let someone, and then sure enough, he makes the tag, and he tweaked his knee. That's it, torn ACL, gone for the season. Terrible news. Sick. And then yesterday, as if it wasn't bad enough, Aaron Sanchez, that freaking middle finger on his pitching hand again? Not a blister this time, though. No. He broke the fingernail. And the, fir- the first thing I heard was, oh, he broke his fingernail. Like, you know, that kind of a thing. Oh, geez, these baseball players are so tough. Broke a fingernail. Hey, the guy had blisters last year. We were making fun of the fact that he had blisters. Okay, it's the way the ball comes off his finger. It's the pressure he puts on the middle finger. Blah, 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 blah. Now that same middle finger, right? It's the nail. So what's he doing? Did he change his grip that much? He's having trouble finding the strike zone anyway. He's not an efficient pitcher. He's a power pitcher. And this middle finger, it's almost like, you know the story of, I believe um, there, it's popular among Asian women to have your toes, um, something done to them so that you fit into these really cool high heel, Jimmy Choo high heel shoes. Bound or something? Yeah. yeah. Or, or even I've, broken, I've heard. Like, you know, you break yeah, the... Yeah, I've seen this photo. You break uh, the toe a certain way so that you can fit into these really cool-looking shoes. Ma- Mahano Blalocks or Jimmy Choo's or whatever it is. So 
would you do, would you consider doing the same thing? Like if you had a pitcher, and I don't know, I haven't looked at his fingers, but maybe that middle finger is just elongated or something about it. Could you like, can, can you shave a little off the top of that so he doesn't get blisters? Could you perform a surgery there? Because really, if it's Aaron Sanchez's middle finger, if it's not a blister and now it's a broken nail, what the hell? And how long are you out with a broken nail for? Is that a 10-day injured list thing? Man, now you got to include Ryan Barucki and Clayton Richard, who have both been lost for a considerable amount of time. And the Jays have pretty much lost their entire starting pitching staff, save for Marcus Stroman. Anyone else? Anyone else want to step up? Who wants to start? Biagini's doing fine in the bullpen. Leave him there. Uh, Sam? Sam, are you available? What's his name? Gaviglio? What? Yeah. Gaviglio. <laughs> Sam. Sam, that's you. Like, you know, I'm sure if Pete Walker's like, who's that? What's that guy over there? Can he start? Guerra, can you start? What are they going to do? Where's Sean Reed Foley? Is oh, he, God, uh... no. I don't think he's even, <laughs> I, he should be sent down from Buffalo. He's been terrible. Uh-huh. He's been awful there. And let's not forget Freddie Galvis, who's been awesome this year. Made a great barehanded stab of a pop fly the other day that's going to be in the top 10 uh, defensive plays of the year already. But he tweaked his knee yesterday and then pulled himself out of the game with two outs in the ninth inning. That's how bad it was. Like He couldn't hang in there for one more. He didn't want to cost his team the game. Pulled himself out of the game. And then Urania, who just got off a plane from Buffalo, comes in and makes a great catch at the end of the game to, to end it. So if ever there was a time to sign a pitcher, <clears throat> Dallas Keuchel, or, or, I don't know, call up an infielder, <clears throat> Vladdy Guerrero, if ever there was a time, now would be the time. And it's up to Buffalo Bisons manager Bobby Meacham. This according to the Jays brass. It's not up to us. We don't make the call. Bobby Meacham will tell us when he's ready. As if. Well, I guarantee you, Bobby (laughs) Meacham's ears are burning right now, right about now, okay? Right about now. How many more at-bats in Buffalo? What do you think, Bobby? Another game? Three three at-bats? Is any ready? And my prediction, and it always has been, from the very beginning was he'll be up Friday, this Friday, the 26th of April, because I bought tickets... Second row, 20 feet from third base, right there, because I knew that Vladdy would be playing, but I'll be in Philadelphia. Oh. Yeah, I gave him Who's taking your ticket? I was going to say, there's a friend right beside you. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry, line forms to the left. (laughs) Um, So, yeah, so Vladdy's hitting like 600 in Buffalo, and he's going to be up. And But here's the thing. I can't say this. It's going to be sooner than later. No. I said all along, it's not going to be sooner than later. It's going to be later. And this expression, it's going to be sooner than later that they're going to win again. It's not, folks. Think about that. When you say it, say it the other way. It's going to be later than sooner. Because sooner is right now. Now or tomorrow. And later is later. Because if you thought he was coming for the Giants series, which starts Tuesday, Kevin Pillar's coming to town. Jan Hervis Solarte's coming back to town. (laughs) Folks, I hope he plays. I want Solarte to be playing second base or left field or whatever they play him in San Francisco with his 209 batting average, uh, 205. Pillar, by the way, batting 192. Okay. Um, I want Solarte to play, and I want him to bust his his butt out of the batter's box on a ground ball. I want to see him hustle up the first baseline and beat one out. <laughs> but I don't think it's going to happen. I don't think it's going to happen. Um, so, yeah, the Giants are terrible. They're dead last in the National League West with Pilar and Solarte. Uh, and who else do they have on that team? They got another former Jay on that team. I think I, one of the catchers uh, that we used to have. One of those second-string older guy catchers is on that team. Uh, anyway, so Tuesday, you're going to need three TV screens. Uh, Raptors at home, Jays at home. Sorry, uh, Raptors at home, Jays at home, Leafs in Boston. There you go for Tuesday. So giddy up. 
Are you ready for that, Mike? I don't think many are watching that Jays game. Are you ready, Mike? <laughs> what, what if Vladdy... Well, that's the other thing, too, is if Vladdy can't come Tuesday, it would just... It would ruin the debut. Right. Pilar... See, look, it's bad enough that Pilar's coming back. Although, he, not that he's been around, long, gone for long, but it'll give, you know, whatever 10,000 Jays fans or however many tickets they've sold for that game, uh, a chance to, you know, thank him for his, you know, his service here in Toronto. Most... Jays fans will be distracted Tuesday, but there are those Jays. Do you think there's Jays fans that aren't? Only. Do you yeah. think you think there are Jays fans that aren't Leaf or Raptor fans? Yes, I know they there only are. care about the Jays. Right, they don't care while the game is on. They're strictly watching that game. They're not even interested in Raptors or Leafs. I know baseball only Who? fans. Baseball uh, only fans. Yeah, that, really? that's basically baseball. They don't care about the Leafs. They don't care about the Raptors. It's all about baseball and their Blue Jays. Yep. Okay. Yep. Do they listen to this show? Absolutely. <laughs> Both of them. <laughs> All right. Uh, more basketball. I got to mention that the Bucks can sweep the Pistons tonight in Detroit, and the Rockets can do the same to Utah this evening in Salt Lake City. And tomorrow, the Trailblazers can eliminate OKC in Portland. And the San Antonio Denver series is tied 2 2, game five in Denver. And Golden State can eliminate the Clippers on Wednesday in Oakland. Uh, I know it's hard because. You know, there's just so much going on in the NBA. There's so many great series and great matchups and stuff like that. But, you know, I think when we become Raptor-centric here, and I think most fans will agree, they like watching NBA playoffs, but they're, they're concentrating on the home team. Most, most fans are like that at this yep. time of the year. You, you want to know what's going on in the league and in the rest of the playoffs, but you're really concentrating on your, if your team is in the playoffs, of course. Did you hear the story out of Columbus, Ohio? The Blue Jackets apparently told their fans, not apparently, they told their fans not to bring brooms to the fourth game of their series against Tampa Bay when they were up three love. I haven't heard this story. No. Brooms were banned from Nationwide Arena. Nationwide Arena sent out a tweet that read, and I quote, friendly reminder, security has asked us to remind you that due to safety concerns, you cannot bring a broom into the arena tonight. End quote. End tweet. So some fans are upset, were upset, but the Jackets ended up sweeping the bolts anyway. Now, Mike... My, my idea would be this. Yeah. You're telling me that I can't bring a whisk broom? Into, I'm not saying a broom with a big, long handle, because, yeah, that's dangerous. You could poke an eye out. And plus, where do you put it? Like, where do you put it? Like, you stick it between the seats. Everyone's got brooms. You're tripping. you got your beers. Get that broom out of the way. It's awkward. A broom. If you bring something, you bring something that's, that's um, detachable. A or, dust buster. Uh, yeah. No, no, but I'm saying a whisk broom. You know, a little handle. With a, you don't have to bring, you don't have to bring right. the, uh, the, the tray. Right. Like a short handle. Yeah. No, 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 not even a short handle, right? Right. I no, know what you're talking about. You know about. what I'm talking about? You hold it in your hand. It's like, you know, it's, 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 it would be like a little bit bigger than your hairbrush, right? It's a whisk broom. Or it could be the corn style one that the umpires use to sweep home plate. You know those little ones? The same one that the old style barber sweeps the hair off the back of your neck. Right. A little, that's a broom. <laughs> Go for a whisk. But, you know, can you imagine security got any brooms on you? So, buddy, what do you see? Do you see me with a broom? Okay. I mean whisk brooms. Are you trying to bring a whisk broom in here? Because we specifically said no brooms. Because that's the only thing you could bring in a series. Okay, remember, it's not, it's not a two-game series. You, don't bring a, you never bring a broom to a two-game miniseries. It's no. got to be a three-game series in baseball, and even then very few, or a playoff series, which is generally you know four out of seven. That's the only time you would bring a broom. And what else could you bring? Okay, because you're sweeping the series. Can we come up with another name besides sweep? Okay, there's yeah. nothing. Hey, you sweep. Who came up with that? They swept the series. Swept it. What do you mean? Well, they took the series and they just, and they got a broom and they swept it. Well, I don't understand what that means. Who came up with this idea, sweep a four game series? Because it's a great expression. Yeah. But really, it only allows you to bring a broom to the arena to 
asked for that sweep. I like so that. that's what they did in Columbus. Please, no brooms. Safety issue. Come on. I like the hairbrush idea. You're brushing them away, and everyone brings a hairbrush. <laughs> and the bolts uh, got brushed by the Columbus. Uh, everybody brought a hairbrush into the arena. Uh, on Saturday, 21-year-old Brooke Henderson of Smith Falls, Ontario, won her eighth LPGA tournament victory, taking the event in Hawaii by four shots. Let that sink in. 21-year-old Brooke Henderson won her eighth LPGA title. That ties her with Sandra Post, Mike Weir, and the late George Knudsen for the most professional golf titles won by a Canadian. And they all achieved that when they got to their 40s. She's 21 years old. Yet another young Canadian on the world sporting stage, a champion. So, you know, amidst all this other excitement, and nobody in, like no one, the reporter in Hawaii from the Golf Channel or whatever didn't go, by the way, Brooke, uh, what do you think of the Toronto Maple Leafs or the Toronto Raptors or the Toronto Blue Jays or the Toronto Wolfpack or the Toronto Marlies (laughs) or TFC? No one asked her about that connection or who she was rooting for in hockey. I'm going to assume that because she's from Smith Falls, she's a Senators fan, but maybe not. She could be a Habs fan, could be a Leafs fan, could not know anything about, couldn't care less about hockey, but I doubt that. But I kind of wanted to hear that. But she's in Hawaii, knocking down birdies. The other thing is, when you watch her play, every club she has, except for her putter, she chokes like three inches down. She's like Rod Carew. (sighs) Like, she chokes. Like, you know, you see a good three inches of the butt, the handle of the golf club there. And she's like a fabulous player. Sensational. So, uh, good up. Good for Brooke. She's up there with the uh, Bianca Andrescu's and uh, Felix Ojeali-Asim's and Denny Shapovalov's of the world. Time now for Hockey Confidential, brought to you by Titan Blades. You see how beautifully these NHLers are skating? Wouldn't you like to skate like them? You know, many of them are using Titan Blades in their skates. In fact, most of them, folks. Why don't you do yourself a favor? Go to TitanBlades.com, get your very own, or get them for the kid. Because the kid's having problems skating. Okay? What do you think? You think it's those hand-me-down skates, maybe, that you bought from Play It Against Sports? Or the hand-me-downs that the other kid? You think just taking sharpening to those machines or to Canadian Tire is going to do the job? No! No, you got to get Titan Blades. We bring the pro shop to you. Go to TitanBlades.com. T-Y-D-A-N. Fighting, Mike. Fighting in hockey. Hit a, an historic, an, a historic low? An historic low. It's hit an historic low in the NHL. This year, there were 226 altercations in the NHL, as recorded by HockeyFights.com. Now, HockeyFights.com may end up going the way of the dodo bird. <laughs> right. Because HockeyFights.com, not that many years ago, was, you know, praising the fact that there was an average of 1.2 fights per game. And, and one year, back at 85-86, there were four teams that had over 100 fights in an 82-game schedule. Four teams in the NHL were involved in over 100 fights 30 years ago. Now, there is less than... fights per game. 226 altercations in the entire league. Two years ago, there were 372 fights. So that's pretty good. I like seeing that. I'm very happy with it, that the fighting's dropped nearly 70% in the National Hockey League over the last decade. And most experts in the sports are going to tell you that the decline in fighting is the natural evolution of the game. Because look at the Leafs. It's about speed. Teams at all levels are building their rosters with faster players, more skilled players, guys who can stick handle and pass and shoot. Not so much the guys that are clobbering other guys. And this is because look at the number of players. Think about this. In 1972, when Canada beat Russia, like every player was from Canada except for like six guys. Right. Every single guy on the Philadelphia Flyers that won the Stanley Cup 
two years in a row, every guy was born in Canada. Now you got players coming from all over the world, from the U.S., from Europe, and fighting is frowned upon because in amateur hockey, if you fight, you're gone. You are gone. So the natural evolution is you're not developing these knuckle-draggers, enforcers. Sure, you got to have guys that are, but there's lots of guys out there, lots of guys. Look at the NHL that are big and strong and are skilled. You don't have to have the guys. And that's why when Alexander Ovechkin knocked out Hurricanes rookie defenseman Andre uh, Svechnikov in game three, I was shocked. And people were sickened by that. And a few years ago, they would not have been. Ooh, good, it's part of the game. But it's not anymore. And, and you, you, you look at kids now, they don't see fights in hockey because they were never part of that culture. They have not grown up in that culture. There's very, very few now. I mean, there you get the odd bench-clearing brawl and stuff like that, but boy, not nearly as often as you did before because kids are not emulating the NHL players because the NHL players are not fighting. So true, so true. Uh, even when I look back at what did I love most, I loved it when Wendell Clark would drop the gloves and go toe-to-toe with uh, Bob Probert. Like, that was the highlight of the night. And nowadays, if I saw something like that, it would I'd have a completely different reaction. How would you explain it to your kids? Yeah, that's no. Even uh, my oldest was on the cusp. Like at the big, when he was young, I was still showing him like videos of Wendell. Like, oh, check out this toughness. Like, this is uh, what so showing him fight? hero of the day. Yeah, like you would montages. show your kid yeah. fights. I know. I know. You're sick. I know. What kind of parents are you? Would show your kid fights. I know. And now, and now, now I can't imagine my youngest son. I can't imagine doing that and glorifying fighting. Like things have changed radically in even 15 years. Wow completely different it's amazing how we've evolved well let me give you a good example when i uh, and we're talking 30 years ago or so we used to have two drafts every before every season we would have a points draft you couldn't it was the gretzky thing you could not use gretzky you're not allowed to draft gretzky right right you could draft anyone else but you couldn't gretzky was like off the board because he was so good right uh and so we had two drafts one was the points draft right the other was a penalty minutes draft because in those days, guys were piling up three, 400 minutes yeah. of penalties. And so you drafted players that you hoped would get a lot of penalty minutes so you'd win your penalty draft. And I'm talking Bob Probert, Tim Hunter. I mean, name all these. Tony Twist. Tony, <laughs> Tony Twist, Kelly Chase. I mean, if I thought about it, Gino Ojik, if I thought about Craig Berube, Rick Talk, Rick Talkett actually was, it's funny too, because Talkett was one of the guys who would score 30 for you, but he'd get 300 minutes in penalties. Right. And one year we combined the two. We had a system whereby you had the number of points, plus you added penalty minutes. And you got bonus points and talk at one going away. He had like 30 some odd goals in 300 minutes and penalties. It was fabulous. So you look for, and Probert too. Probert, I think, had 30 goals one year. And so you looked for guys like that. But anyway, that's the way, that's the way it was back in those days. You look for guys with high penalty. And I couldn't tell you, I don't think the Leafs had a guy with 100 minutes. In my, I haven't even looked at penalty minutes. No. Now, I don't remember many, I don't even uh, remember many a fights Leafs fight the Leafs last even had, Yeah, I, I can't <laughs> even think the last time the Leafs had a, like a fight where they dropped the gloves. So it, it, you know, the question, I guess, is this. If there were no more fights in hockey, do you think the sport would lose any fans? No. No. Not one. Not a single fan. Uh, I don't believe so. I think any fan that would go would over, already left <laughs> because of the decline. So, Okay, I guess we've wrapped that one up. That's it for Hockey Confidential. Brought to you by Tide and Blades. Skate faster, be better. Tide and Blades. We bring the pro shop to you. I love that. Go to TideandBlades.com. You know, the more hockey I watch, the more I want to get out there again. I know the weather's turning nice, but I enjoyed. You know, that was the one thing about the winter. I really enjoyed being out there. I enjoy. I love. I love skating out there. I love. I want to be able to skate faster, be better. I want to play for the Leafs. Mm-hmm. Our trivia question has not been answered. Maybe you have answered it though. Maybe from the time we asked it, whenever it was, forty minutes ago or so, to now, you've figured it out. 
The question is this. The Maple Leafs last beat the Boston Bruins in the playoffs in 1959. Game 7 in Boston. The Leafs had nine future Hall of Famers on that team. Can you name eight of them? Six of them. I'll name All nine a, of them. I'll try a few. I have no idea. But um, First, let me say this. Yeah. Boston, that Boston team had one. One. Johnny Busick was the only guy from Boston that ended up in the NHL, the Hockey Hall of Fame. At least was, had nine guys. Nine. Was uh, Ted Kennedy, was Teeter Kennedy on that team? No. No. Oh, for one. He was retired uh, by then. Sawcheck, Terry Sawcheck? No, he had not. He was huh. playing for uh, Detroit, uh, Detroit okay. at that time. Was, Maybe Boston. Was Detroit. Johnny Bauer on that team? Yes, that's one. Thank you. Um, I'm saying, <laughs> I could keep going. Uh, uh, how about a uh, former Leaf coach who uh, famously uh, threw his dent, took his dentures out uh, during the draft? Uh, George Armstrong, that's right, two. George Armstrong, correct. So you got Johnny Bauer and George Armstrong. Let me give you the rest. Okay, here, okay? Sure. You Thank got you. Tim Horton. Yes, of course. You got Dick Duff. That's four. Oh. You got Frank Mahovlich, the big M. That's right. five. You got Bert Olmstead played on that team. That's six. Would have missed that one. Bob Pulford, seven. Bobby Bond. Eight, Alan Stanley, nine. How about that? So you got nine wow. future Hall of Famers on that team. So the Leafs ended up uh, finishing fourth, like I said. The NHL playoff system in those days was dumb for many years. The first place team would play the third place team in the playoffs, first round, and second would play four. Moronic. Moronic. Like why, if you finished first, your, your reward should be playing the, the fourth place team if it was only four in the playoffs. This was the six-team NHL. But I don't even understand the logic behind that. Well, there isn't. Well, how'd they explain it to the masses? I don't know if they had to. I don't know if anyone figured (laughs) out. I'm sure someone must have gone, how come Montreal, if they finish first, they don't play four? Because that's the way we do it. It's just, I don't know. I could never figure that one out. So the Leafs, in that series, they managed to squeak into the playoffs like on the last day of the season, 58-59. Squeaked in. And they got Boston in the first round. Boston finished second. Montreal won won by a thousand points. Boston was the second-place team. And the Leafs led... 3-2 3-2 in that series after winning in Boston. Came back to Maple Leaf Gardens. Same as yesterday. Came back to Maple Leaf Gardens with a chance to beat the Bruins in the sixth game at home. Wild crowd in 1959. No beer in those days. But you could smoke cigarettes in the arena. If that means anything. Okay? Wild Maple Leaf Gardens. No Maple Leaf Square. No social media. None of that kind of But people buzzing. Like the, the, the Leafs. No Raptors in those days. No Blue Jays in those days. No other pro sport. Hockey, Leafs, right. had a chance to clinch, to win, to go to the cup final. Laid an egg. Lost 5-4 to the Bruins. Everybody. Now they go back to Boston. Everyone's like, oh, we're not going to win this. Guess what? The Leafs won 3-2 in Boston in game seven. That was the last time they played the Bruins in the playoffs and beat them. Seventh game in Boston. Just thought I'd let you know that. And then they lost to the Habs in the final. But if the <laughs> Leafs go all the way to the cup final this year and lose... I'll be okay with that. <laughs> I'll take a second round appearance. It's been a while. I'll do that too. Trivia brought years. to you by Panthers Original Deli at 3856 Bathurst Street for the best in deli food. Go to Panthers. Check out panthersoriginaldeli.com. And that'll do it for episode number 96 of Hebsey on Sports. Thanks to Toronto Mike for production and inspiration. He's at Toronto Mike, and he's got a great podcast that you should check out as well. Speaking of which, check out my new book, The Greatest Athlete You've Never Heard Of, the story of George Washington Orton, a Canadian who was thought to be an American for years. He was the first disabled athlete to win an Olympic gold medal, first Canadian to win an Olympic gold medal. He won 17 United States and seven Canadian championships in track and field, gold medal, five world championships, was one of the most influential and innovative men in the development of 20th century sports, and he never said a word about himself. He never told anybody about his remarkable story. I got the story. Do you know that he came up with the idea of putting numbers on football jerseys? 
1914 and introduced many Americans to the sport of ice hockey. Before that, to them, hockey was ice polo and bandy. What did they know from hockey? George Washington Orton, the greatest athlete you've never heard of. You can purchase the book via Amazon, Indigo, Barnes and Noble, and whenever you, wherever you find fine books. Thanks for allowing us into your headspace. Hebsey on Sports returns with another exciting episode shortly. Not when you think. I'm sorry about that. I got to get away for a few days to sell the book. Enjoy Philadelphia, Hebsey. I'll be back shortly, and I'll have all the perspective on all the. The Leafs will have clinched by then, and they'll be on to the second round. And the Raptors will be on to the second round. It's just going to be so... And the Jays will have ran off five wins in a row. And Vladdy will hit four homers in his first game. It's so exciting. Thanks so much for joining us. We'll talk to you soon.